BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. You're the mom, the maid, the keeper of the cookies. You do it all and you look good doing it. It's parenthood on a mother level. Here's your host, Denise Hanitka. Hi, everybody. I'm Denise Sinitka, and this is On a Mother Level. So happy to have you here for another episode. This is a conversation that I've been looking forward to having. This is a new friend of mine, and her name is Courtney, and she is an interior designer with Courtney Lawrence Studio is her new business venture, and you're going to hear all about how it got started in the midst of a pandemic and in the middle of adding another baby to their family. So you all know that I finally started watching Schitt's Creek. And and it makes me laugh for so many reasons, but there was one, my favorite quote from uh, the show, and it's not even that remarkable, but it reminded me of Courtney because Courtney talks about this triple thread of skills that she has. She is an instructional designer, she's a graphic designer, and she's an interior designer. So automatically it made me think of Moira when she is getting ready for Asbestos Fest and she talks about, I'm gonna try my best here, she talks about how the townspeople are going to experience her triad of threats for the very first time. And um, so I want you to meet Courtney and hear about her triad of threats. And I think you're really going to like her. I really appreciated the inspiration that she gave me about pursuing the things that you're passionate about and checking in with yourself and making sure that you're getting that fulfillment and you're pursuing things that make you light up inside and outside. So that's what I hope you get from this conversation with Courtney. We also talk about my very, very serious outlook on Christmas trees. I take them very, very seriously. They're very important. We also talk about why I'm just not that freaking grateful this year, okay? I'm just not. And so if you're with me, I feel ya, and we'll get into why a little bit later in the podcast. But overall, it's a sunny one, other than me. (laughs) So here we go with Courtney Lawrence. Hi, hi. Hi, how are you? I'm good. How are you doing? Good, pretty good. Well, it's nice to see your face and sort of kind of person. Yeah, I'm loving your windows and everything in your background. Where are you? Uh, so like this is my kitchen counter here. Okay. And so that's like the TV room. It's a rather flattering shot. In person, I don't find it in person. Well, I'm taking over my husband's office because this is the only like quiet-ish spot in the house. So here I am. <laughs> hey, well, it works. Does he work from home right now? Yeah, yeah. Okay. How has that um, turned the household upside down? <laughs> yeah, we, you know, we've been home together since March 12th or whenever we started this. And so I, I'm thankful, honestly, because he's able to come upstairs and just help out whenever and eat lunch with us and breakfast and you know so it's been a life change going from all of us being gone to all of us being home but I'm I'm 
thankful for it. So yeah, well, and especially because your son was born in May. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So he was able to be there and not necessarily have to run right back to work. Yeah, and he actually got a better, he gets a better paternity leave policy than I even got. And so he's got like all this time, which is great um, because he's able to just take a month off. He did that with our first two. And so it's very, very helpful for me, you know, to not have to do it by myself for the first month. So. Well, so yeah, so you gave birth in the, was that really the peak of the COVID situation? When all this started, we were, uh, you know, getting close to delivery. So that was in March and delivery is early May. And at first I wasn't super stressed about it, but as things started to pick up. And as my doctors started to talk more seriously about what was happening here, that's when I really started to get stressed because at one point they said to me, don't be surprised if you're going to deliver alone. Your husband may not be allowed with you at all in the hospital. Oh my gosh. If I, oh, (laughs) hearing that would have freaked me out. Yeah. So just sitting there alone at my doctor's appointments, you know, because nobody could be with me then either. You know, I just started tearing up with my doctor because like who wants to deliver a baby alone right like that's not not something you ever ever think of doing and so that was kind of a reality for a couple weeks like we thought that that was a that that could be happening and then we talked about like okay maybe we should plan to deliver early because it's going to be bad here in early may so maybe we should deliver the baby a couple weeks before it gets really bad like i don't think they really knew when the virus was going to hit here and how bad, like nobody did, right? So it was just like lots of things up in the air, lots of things to worry about. But we ended up delivering uh, the day after his due date. And as stressful as it all had been leading up to it, the doctors, the nurses, everybody, I mean, it was like COVID wasn't even happening while I was delivering. I didn't think about it once, honestly. I mean, obviously they all had the face shields on, you know, all the extra PPE, but it was completely safe and I felt 100% comfortable. So it ended up working out just fine. Everything was fine. Um, The hardest part was, you know, coming home afterwards and just being distant from everybody. Like nobody could come see the baby. You know, we couldn't really go anywhere because again, we were told you really need to keep your distance. You have a newborn. Like we don't know what's, what all this is entails. So that was, I think, even more stressful afterwards, just, you know, navigating that. But I'm glad to hear everything went fine and everything was smooth. It was just adding some anxiety on top of an already anxious time of adding a second baby to the family. Right. Yes. Yes. It's already, you know, pregnancy is not an easy thing for anyone and just adding that extra stress. And even now, like the, all the women that are pregnant now, things are still happening. You know, obviously we still know, or we know more now than we did in May, which is great. I think that all of the hospitals are being extremely safe for the maternity part of the hospital. And so I felt comfortable back then, so hopefully it's still that way for everybody delivering now and in the next several months, too. And how old is your daughter right now? 
She is two and a half. How has she done with the new little bro in town? Yeah, so she, uh, very excited leading up to it. She's very, it's weird to say about a toddler, but I feel like she has like a nurturing, mothering instinct. You know, you know, we played with her babies. We talked about it beforehand. And after he came, she just instantly, like, she wants to feed him. She wants to watch him. She wants to put, you know, everything. She's very, very good with him. Uh, it was just a, an initial few weeks of like the whole, you know, jealousy situation of mama is holding another baby, you know, but it's been, it's been good. She's, She's so good with him, and we're thankful for them both. Oh, that's wonderful. I don't know what it is about all of the women that I talk to on this podcast. I call it pregnant ambition because (laughs) women that I meet tend to have huge goals and huge dreams that they decide to execute while being pregnant, which is enough to do. And so in the midst of you being pregnant and during COVID, here you are dreaming up your own business. Tell me about the process of starting Courtney Lauren's studio. Yeah, let's see. So I have always thought about doing something like this, you know, just over the years, because this has always been a passion of mine and um, something that my friends and family have always said, you know, hey, can you help me out with this? And I wish you could design, you know, my bedroom for me or whatever. And I always had, you know, my own full-time job and other things to do. And so I always just said, Oh, I wish like that's, that was, would be my dream job, you know? And so once was pregnant with my second and the start of this year, the start of 2020 hit, I actually was in a leadership class. And one of the uh, activities that we did was like, write down the things that you're really good at, write down or circle these verbs that stick out to you, you know, one of those type of simple activities. And the the final goal was to like come up with this sentence that was going to explain your life mission. And my sentence made no sense whatsoever, but it was about like nurturing and educating people and doing this all to, you know, help others create joy or to to help nurture others to like do something that they didn't think they could do before. And so I kind of sat on this sentence for the longest time thinking, what in the world? Like, yes, that's me, but like, that doesn't tell me what I'm supposed to be doing with my life. Right. And so once, you know, I delivered my son or even around that time, I had really started thinking, what if this is the time to start what I've always been wanting to do? And so I just really started to get serious about putting thoughts on paper, talking to other people, testing it out with my family and friends to see if this is even something that could work, right? My husband and I just said, now's the time. Like if we're, if you're going to do this, like now's the time, why would we not? And so um, I just decided to give it a go. This is something I've always wanted to do. So I launched it over the summer and it's been wonderful. I can't express how thankful I am for everybody that has, that helped me get to this point and you know, everybody that's believed in me to work with me to this point. And so I just feel like I've been able to do so many great things and new things and meet so many great people that I wouldn't have otherwise that I'm just thankful that I decided to take the leap and do it. Well, congratulations on taking that leap because that's clearly the hardest part in some respects. You know, there's obviously more hard stuff to come, but like just saying I'm going to do this thing 
is a really hard sentence to say out loud, I bet. It is, you know, because a lot of people, I think, when they're, when they're thinking about starting their own business, a lot goes through your head, which, you know, a lot of the safety aspect of it is like, okay, my retirement, oh, that steady income, oh, you know, health insurance, you know, all of that stuff that we all need, right? And it's, that's a lot to think about and weigh when you're thinking about potentially leaving all of that to go do something on your own. Now, obviously, somebody that I worked with before I started Courtney Lawrence Studio, it's like a business coach that helped me. Um, her name is Sarah Stevens. Um, she said to me, well, Courtney, you're starting this business to make money, right? <laughs> like You're not going to be doing this for free. And so I really had to sit down and, and think and try to pull it out of myself. Like, what is really stopping me from doing this? Like, why, why am I so hesitant from just, from just doing it? And so I, a lot of it's fear, you know, fear of the unknown, the what ifs. And I just, I knew that I wanted to, and then I needed to, but for some reason, it just took me a while to fully get there and make the decision. But looking back now, I just attended the, um, Women Lead Change Quad Cities Conference last week, I think. And there was a speaker, actually a couple speakers, that really resonated with me in talking about fear and talking about, um, you know, if you can answer the questions, is this opportunity going to bring me new opportunities or just different things about your life, different questions about your life, they're all good things, then why not do it? Why not try it? Why not take the risk? And so anyway, I just am, am thankful and glad that I've, I did because it's, it's turning out to, to be going really well. So I'm thankful for that. Well, yeah, I would say it's going tremendously well. Just following your Instagram, I can tell that. And so I first discovered you, and I don't know if you came up on my Explore page or what, but I distinctly remember this gorgeous photo of your son's nursery. I'm sure you wouldn't call it like Orange's theme, because it's not Orange's theme, but it's the, the walls are these vibrant pictures of these little oranges, and then you have these green accents, and it just it just stood out to me so much because it was so like not a baby baby's room but it was perfect for a baby. Does that make sense? <laughs> yeah, and when you say oranges, you're you're completely right. I I've been calling them clementines just because um It's way more chic to say it that way. I'm down with it. <laughs> yeah, sure. And I've also found like the the print on like a sheet or a quilt um and you know they call it clementines too. So, but anyway, yes, I had an initial nursery designed way early last year and then some things changed and I decided it was time to think of a new design and so I just started putting some ideas together. Actually, what sparked my interest on that particular design was I saw a wallpaper that was the design that's on the wall. It was just in wallpaper. And so I was going to buy the wallpaper and put it up and, you know, do the whole DIY thing. And my husband was like, Courtney, why would you buy that wallpaper? Like, you can paint that on the wall. <laughs> and so I'm like, well, you're right. That's gonna be a lot of work. I don't know. So I ended up just going for it. So I hand painted all of that on the wall. And then we did the little accent wall. 
And it just kind of took off from there and it turned out perfectly. I mean, I, I couldn't be happier with how it turned out. And then, yeah, I, you know, shared it on social media just as I had do with other home stuff. And it really took off like on Pinterest and Instagram. A lot of people shared it and saved it and reached out to me. And I've had a few people like recreate it to the T, which is really neat. Well, and it was recognized as well by the group baby list. Yes. Yes. Tell me about that. Yeah. So they reached out to me. They um, put together different types of articles, you know, about nurseries. And so they reached out to me and asked if they could feature um, his nursery in one of their features. Yeah, I said yes. And it's there with like a handful of um, other nurseries too on their website. So that was really neat too. just having, you know, a big brand like that reach out and ask if they could feature my work was was awesome. So I want to tell you, um, my interior designer story, because I hired someone maybe let's say six years ago, it was way before I had kids. And so my house is like, I've tried to pick my own colors and I've done a lot of DIY myself. I've spray painted many things as my husband will attest to. I've spray painted chandeliers and faucets and board handles and, you know, just like things that just kind of um, make us a big impact with just a little can of spray paint. Yeah. So I was having trouble picking the color of paint for like this big foyer that we have. And so I hired this interior designer that was recommended by my realtor and she shows up at my house and I wish I would have known from that visit that she was not going to be the right fit. But I think I got intimidated because she sort of, she low key kept insulting my house. Oh no. And, but it, but it had the opposite effect. It was sort of like, like she's trying to convince me that I really need her by insulting my home instead of coming into my space and seeing me as a human and saying like, let's make this better. Instead, I'll never forget. She stood in my kitchen and like at the time my kitchen was like oak cabinets and I eventually painted those. That was my pregnant ambition moment, (laughs) painting my kitchen. What an idiot. So she stood here in my kitchen, which is not updated at the time. And she told me that my granite was entry level. <gasps> oh no! She literally was like, mm, "Like this is entry level granite." And like the previous owners had put it in, and I think it's lovely. I mean, whatever. It's my kitchen counter, and she stood here and she said, "Granite is entry level." And I should have like thrown her out of my home at yeah. that exact moment, but instead, my brain said, "Like, okay, like you know." this woman like I, like I don't know why I thought that that was like a reason to hire someone terrible <laughs> terrible so I keep going with the process with her and she recommends this paint color for the foyer and I start painting and I'm painting my fanny off and it's like a beige color but it reads purple ah uh. It read really purple. And, you know, so over the phone, I'm like, hey, like, it's kind of like going purple. I don't really know. And she's like, I don't understand why that's happening. Uh. So she comes to the house. She sees that it's reading purple. And then she starts just suggesting other colors without acknowledging the fact that I now have four cans of beige uh. purple. And so, um, I, you know, I was like telling my husband, like, this is a disaster. <laughs> And he's like, you've picked all these colors all along by yourself. 
you brought this woman in here. She's insulted you. She's insulted our home. Maybe I grant it is entry level. I don't know. Um, he's like, why don't you just go back to basics? Like, just trust yourself and just do it. So I ended up like canceling it, you know, got rid of her and I never heard from her again. But so after you have an interior designer experience like that, you're very, very gun shy about doing it again. But yeah. when I finally decided to reach out to you to work on our master bedroom, I think it's just the vibe that you put off about yourself that made me feel like you weren't going to talk bad about my granite. <laughs> because your philosophy, and I won't, I won't talk anymore, but your philosophy I feel like is let your home be like a beautiful reflection of yourself, but a functionally beautiful reflection of yourself. You know yeah. what I mean? I don't feel like you're trying to make my home a museum. And I like Correct. that a lot. Yeah, I would definitely say that's right. That's an accurate description. There are interior designers, you know, that, um, and there are people who want to hire interior designers that want to, you know, just have them pick out, out everything for their homes, come in, put it together, and yes, make it look like it's coming out of a magazine. And, you know, I love to do that as well. It's beautiful, it's wonderful, and that is some things that some people want. But then you have another group of people who lives in every single space of their home. And so they need it to be realistic and functional and also don't want to spend lots and lots of money at one time for whatever the reason is. And so, you know, while I am open to working with anybody, I think my personal philosophy too is that that in order for myself or anybody else to really love and appreciate their space, there's something about doing part of that yourself and creating part of that yourself to help you enjoy it and love it. And so what my job is, is to talk to you and hear what your dreams are and your wants are and your goals and your needs for whatever space it is that you're redoing and really figure out how it's going to be most functional for you and your family, but also to make it beautiful so you can enjoy it and make memories there as well. So yes, I think there are interior designers out there that you know, do it differently than I do. And that's totally okay. But I like to take that approach of this is functional, it's realistic, but it also can be beautiful and on the budget that you have for it. If your budget is $400, then that's fine. You know, we will shop and find pieces and do things that will make your space better than before with your budget. If it's $4,000, that's fine too. You know, whatever it is, we will make it work for how you need it to work and make it beautiful along the way. So I think you're spot on with that. Well, and you do not believe from what I can tell that more expensive automatically equals better or even right. store-bought for that matter doesn't automatically equal better. Right. Yeah. I actually like to mix some, a few things that are more expensive with things that are not. I think that really helps complete the look. But yeah, even I suggest to a lot of people, I even suggested to you, like think about creating your own art for the walls. I mean, that is something that can cost hundreds. I mean, if you find 
like a, a piece of art, sometimes it's, you know, two, $300 or more for a piece of art when sometimes it's just a matter of, you know, you getting some paint and sitting down and, and doing something. It might not look exactly like what's at the store, but you created it and it's going to be beautiful in a frame on your wall. And so I like to also help educate and encourage people to to do types of things like that. I just worked with a client last week who had never painted a wall in her life. And I did not know that going into it until we started talking. But so, you know, it was me educating her on, you know, how to paint the walls in her home. But when she got done, oh my gosh, she was in love. Like she wanted to paint all the things, right? And so that's what brings me joy is just like after my clients get started and then they text me, call me, email me, and show me what they're doing and tell me about it, just hearing them talk about it and seeing it on FaceTime, that how excited they are about the changes that they're making, that's truly what, what brings me joy. Because I, you know, I'm an educator, I want to encourage people and also just help you love your home and make it better than before, so. You keep coming back to those same words that like popped up in that sentence about yourself which has got to be so funny to you to like see those pieces fall into place. Yeah, yeah. And all of that, you know, those same, that core group of words, I feel like was that core group of words that I talked about earlier in my, you know, mission activity that I did in that class. It was those same group of words. And I think that that's really who I am. But I just needed to figure out how to, how to put those words into something. And I really think that Courtney Lawrence Studio is the something that was meant to meant to be. Well, I also think that your concept is unique because you're doing it all over online, you know, so me, the client sends you my measurements and photos and gives you everything without having to schedule a home visit and, you know, a lengthy appointment. And so why did you decide to go, well, first of all, pandemic, probably, but, but yeah, how did you come up with of the concept of making it a little bit more of a virtual experience? So my background, not only with interior design, but I also have a teaching background in instructional design and graphic design. All my master's degrees um, are in all of that. And so I really wanted to use all of those skills and put them all together. I kind of call it like the trifecta of design you know, interior design, graphic design, and instructional design. Use all those skills in Courtney Lawrence Studio. And, and so in doing that, it just really lended itself to doing this virtual process um, with the design and, you know, helping. And also what we talked about earlier, kind of my take on interior design, which is helping you or encouraging you to, you know, do more of it yourself. And while that Maybe someday my model will change to be more of like me going into somebody's house and helping them decorate shelves or, you know, do more of those types of things. Right now, I think I'm just really focused on the virtual model because A, I can help anybody across the country on their space, which is really neat. You know, it's not just somebody across the river or in town, which is awesome, but it's also awesome that I can connect with people all over. So that I think has been really helpful too in, in keeping this virtual is that I really can 
open up my audience that way. Without giving people the milk for free, what are like the, the top few things that will like dramatically transform somebody's space without even trying? Are there just those few eyesores that if you tackle those right away, you've done some good? I always say that paint is the number one thing that can really change a space. I mean, I, you know, if your walls are currently all like a dark beige and you really want to, you know, make the space feel fresh and lighter, a good coat of like a light gray or some some sort of lighter paint all over the room is instantly going to change how that room feels. And so paint for sure is the number one thing or even just adding an accent wall with paint or with something else. I feel like that is a way to kind of change a space too. But also I think just thinking about the accents in the room, like curtains, for example. In my living room, when the curtains are down and it's just the windows, while it looks nice, once you hang the curtains up the correct way, it's like, wow, this really transformed the space. I mean, it looks glamorous now because this is up. And so, I think that curtains are another thing that could really change a space. And then just sometimes too, I think wall decor is a big one. I really feel like there are different types of people in the world. You know, some people that like to hang all the things, some people that don't want to hang anything because they don't know what to hang or they don't want to put a hole in their wall. Sorry, mom, that's you. Oh my Um, God, that's my mom too. It killed me growing (laughs) up. Like hang a picture, God. (laughs) Yeah. Decor on the walls is something too. And this is also another service that I offer a studio call is just talking about, okay, I have this wall and I currently have these six things hanging on it, but I feel like it looks cluttered. What do I do? You know, sometimes just simplifying that or finding the right pieces for that space on the wall can make a huge difference in how the overall room looks just depending on what's hanging there. Because if it doesn't go with the space or if it isn't the right size or if there's multiple things on the wall but they're not hung correctly, you know, that all makes a difference. So paint, curtains, and what's on the wall are just some easy, fairly inexpensive ways to really change the look of a space. The whole hanging of the curtains high and wide, I don't know why they don't teach you that in high school because it's so dramatic. And yet, you know, so simple and st- like so stupid. It's just the easiest, dumbest thing. I don't, I don't know why we didn't all agree to do this years ago because it's, it's, you're right, it's so glamorous looking. It might not be for everybody, but if you're really trying to make your space feel larger or make your, you know, make your windows feel like they're bigger, that's the way to do it. It's just, not only is it glamorous, but um, it, it really helps the space overall when you do that compared to like just hanging them right above the trim, like is very, very common. My biggest struggle in my house is oak. There is oak everywhere. I have all the oak. That's one of the biggest killers. And I started at one point painting all the trim. And I mean, that's like a life sucker. Like I no longer have the time or energy to be painting any more trim. But yeah, that's the one thing that no amount of design will (laughs) solve in this home. Yeah, oak is um, very common. I feel like especially in our area, you know, our home when we first moved into it, all oak as well. Nothing wrong with that. It just wasn't my style. 
And so we made the decision to rip it all out and redo it all with white. While I'm thankful and it looks gorgeous, it is a lot of work. <laughs> so I feel like we were doing trim for years because we did it all ourselves. We bought it and painted it and cut it all and installed it all. And doing the doors is a whole nother project, you know? Yes, if, you, if that's in the plans, just plan for it to be a long project because trim is something else, let me tell you. Well, the other cool thing that you're doing is um, these Christmas pieces, these wreaths that you're working on. And so by the time this episode is published, I will be having um, one of your wonderful wreaths hanging on my door. So how does that part of the business fit in? So that's just got to be like so good for your creative juices. Yeah. So I was thinking, you know, earlier in the fall that because I love holiday stuff and um, I also love design. And last year was the first year that I finally decided to take the plunge and do a Festival of Trees Christmas tree. I've always wanted to do it. And for some reason, last year, I just went for it. And I loved the tree that I created last year. And so I was ready to do it again. My mom and I got all the stuff. The tree's currently sitting in my basement, ready to go. And it's canceled. So since I'm not putting my energies in that and I wanted to do something related to design and holiday, I decided that I needed to put together some sort of holiday offering or holiday collection. Came up with the home holiday guide, which if you go to my website, CourtneyLawrenceStudio.com slash holiday, you can download the holiday guide for free and it is full of five design boards that have different styles like farmhouse, modern, cozy minimalist, traditional. And it's got like a little Christmas, you know, design setup of your living room, you know, fireplace tree um, with all the shopping links if you wanted to buy anything from those designs. And then it just has a variety of DIY projects, how to create a designer Christmas tree video, a ton of stuff uh, just to help people bring joy to their home this holiday season. Now, on top of that, I also wanted to create some fresh wreaths. And so I was only going to offer a couple until my husband talked me into offering a third. So there's three different types, a traditional one, a modern one, which you'll be getting, and then what I'm calling a charm. Those are all being created as we speak. My uh, home is filled with tons and tons and tons of greenery all over and we were in wreath creation mode for the next several days for everybody that ordered so i am so excited that this you know happened the way it did and i'm able to use my creativity in another way to bring joy to people's homes and i'm just thankful for everybody that ordered one and is able to hang it up in their home too. So I'm excited to see this kind of all unfold this week. I'm the type of person that takes my Christmas tree very seriously. That's my one thing that I really, really get crazy with. I usually have some level of theme every year and that can sometimes just be like the colors that I chose. So last year I did navy blue. The year before when I was pregnant with Everett, I had the pinkest most romantic, unbelievable. It's probably my favorite tree. Um, But I think that was like my body clearly knowing that I was having a boy and being like, you wanted to do all the pink. (laughs) 
Yeah, so I like I'm super obsessed with Christmas trees. I insist on having a real one every year and haven't decided my theme for this year. I think I maybe have it down, but yeah, I just oh, I just love it. It just it's one of those things that every time I walk past it in my home, I stare at it. And I love this time of year because of that. What's usually your Christmas tree philosophy? I love a good designer tree. You know, if you watch that video on my home holiday guide, that's actually the tree that I did last year at Festival of Trees. My mother loved it so much that she bought it. (laughs) So it's still in the family. We still have it. Anyway, so I love a well-designed, put-together tree. However, because I focus on so many things design all day, every day, our tree in the living room is like the Charlie Brownest simplest tree you can get. I mean, if I could find a tree with less branches, which one of these years I might buy a fake one that looks like that. But for some reason, I don't follow any design rules when it comes to decorating Christmas trees in my living room. It's just how it is. Like my only rule is right now is that it's leopard accents. I've got some I love cute that. stockings. Yeah, cute stockings that have leopard print on them. I've got some pillows, you know, a tree skirt, and then some ornaments and some um, garland is like leopard print. So it's not super fancy. I'm going to admit it. Like if you look at my Christmas tree photos, somebody might be like, oh, like you're a designer and your tree looks like that. <laughs> but I'm telling you, it doesn't matter. Like that's what brings us joy to our living room. And so with that Christmas tree, you know, all design rules are out the window. But with that being said, we also have a second tree up this year that is kind of like my DIY tree in that looks extremely more put together than my Charlie Brown tree. And most of it is DIY and it is just beautiful. It's also on my home holiday guide. So I can go both ways. Um, If I could buy new decor every year to do something different, I would. But I think that's where the Festival of Trees comes in is I'm able to do that. And, you know, somebody else can gets to buy it and take it home. But that creativity is still able to come out in that form rather than in my own house every year. No, I mean, you kept, even on Instagram, you kept describing this as some kind of Charlie Brown tree. And I, I do not see that at all, um, <laughs> especially because you have it all like jazzed up with your pillows and, you know, you have a whole like, a whole thing. It's a thing. Yeah. Oh, definitely. It always has to have, you know, some other stuff to go with it. But um, in, in terms of like my design standards, it's definitely not up to my design standards, but that's okay because it's <laughs> all what brings you joy in the moment. So, <laughs> so as you look ahead to the, um, the first Christmas as a family of four, what are some traditions that are really important to you that you want to instill in your family? It's so interesting now, you know, with everything going on in the world, we're not able to do the, the normal things that we've been doing over the past several years. I think that one thing that we have done and is easy to continue is for gifts, I like to do one thing you want, one thing you need, one thing you'll wear, and one thing you'll read. And for gifts, and that's it. Because you know, we don't need tons of stuff. My kids don't need tons of stuff. And I think it's more meaningful that way. You know, when you really think about, 
okay, I'm only getting one thing in this category, you know, what's the best thing? And so that's one tradition that I'm hoping to carry year to year with our family. But then also, you know, doing things like getting Christmas jammies for the kiddos and, you know, having breakfast on Christmas morning and driving around to see the lights. We, you know, I need to come up with some more traditions now that we can do like at home or or, um, just as a family of four rather than that things outside the home that we used to do that maybe aren't going to happen this year. Yeah, I like that one very much. The one that I want to start with my kids, but I feel like they're a little too young is my family. I had four siblings, have four siblings, have three. I'm one of four. (laughs) Okay, so I'm one of four siblings. And so there was always just a monster pile of gifts under the tree. But my favorite part of it was Santa put, our letters, our initials hidden somewhere on the package. So first of all, my parents were smart because it took way longer than to open the gifts. There wasn't like a mass tearing because every single one had to be carefully inspected to find the little D. And then, you know, if there was a really large gift, everyone would want to know whose letter is on it. Yeah. Occasionally Santa would forget to put anybody's letter on And it never gave it away how my parents always knew who that gift was for. Right. (laughs) So when my kids are old enough to start doing letters, I definitely want to do that because I just think that's a super cool thing. I love that. You know, my mom used to do something too where like Santa would bring myself gifts and Santa, and I have one brother, Santa would bring my brother gifts, but then we would always get a gift or a couple that were for both of us. and my gifts would have one type of wrapping paper. My brothers would have a different type of wrapping paper, but if it was for both of us, it would have both wrapping papers on it. Oh, cool. Yeah. So I always thought that was really neat that she did that. And so I think I'll probably do that with my kids too, going forward. Now that there's, now I'm able to get a gift that both of them could, could use or play with. Yeah. Such a good idea. This year, the joint gift is going to be um, like a kitchen. Oh, yeah. He really wants a little kitchen. He's very much obsessed with the idea of being a cooker man is what he calls it. Um, So, yeah. So I'm really excited to do the big, you know, joint gift of the the kitchen and then picking out all the teeny pots and pans and fake foods and all that stuff. So he doesn't listen to this show, so it's fine. (laughs) (laughs) We did that last year. And, you know... I'll tell you, the DIY person in me had these fabulous plans to buy the IKEA kitchen that was super plain and then DIY it into this like amazing kitchen. Okay. Well, that didn't happen because I didn't have the time. And so we just bought one from Target or something. And it's still cute. It's very Joanna Gaines-ish. But yes, my daughter loves it. She plays with it every day. I think it's so, so good for learning and all of that. I mean, what a great gift. I completely agree. I mean, um, kind of on a different front, Abe and I were at the grocery store yesterday, which I've started taking them to the store again, um, you know, because I kind of took a break during the summer and, you know, Hy-Vee didn't want you to and blah, blah. Yeah. 
But, you know, I'm at Hy-Vee with him yesterday and he was pointing out some vegetables and I started talking to him about, you know, the price tags and what the price tags mean. And, you know, I was just saying like this can of corn is 59 cents. That's this many pennies. And he's four and he doesn't totally understand it yet. But there are so many times during this pandemic that I think like kids are missing out on stuff like that. You know what I mean? Going out and doing things and, and, and learning those small little life skills, you know, that I hope maybe like having this little kitchen at home will help with some of that, you know? Yes, I completely agree. That's, I think, one of the hardest things for my husband and I right now in, you know, making the decisions that we've made for our family during this time is that our daughter is at a critical time in her life where she really needs those type of experiences and interaction and it's so, and I know that there are a lot of people in this same situation, but I, I just feel for her and everybody else in this situation of kids missing out on these experiences and even not just little kids. Like I'm just thinking school age kids, you know, I have one of my neighbors is in middle school and um, you know, most schools I think around here gave the option to go all virtual or half and half at the beginning of the year. She's in middle school and she chose to go all virtual, which is great. And, you know, if it works for your family and that's great, but I cannot imagine being a seventh grader and having like a college experience, you know, like you're all virtual and you're not around your friends at that time, you know, middle school, which is very important, even high school. I just can't imagine, you know, what what everybody is doing, but I'm also seeing all of the moms out there who are trying their best and really doing well at being a mom, but also being a teacher right now. You know, like I think this is really a a hard time for parents in general, but oftentimes I think a lot of that load falls on the mom and it's just a different, a different time that I'm always there. If anybody wants to reach out to me and talk about mom stuff, teaching, how do you balance? Like, I know that we're all going through it together and hats off to anybody that's doing that right now. Maybe we can get into a little bit now. Like what, what do you say to a mom who's like, I literally cannot, I'm not the best teacher. I didn't become a teacher. I assume moms are doing better than they give themselves credit for, but it's still really, really hard. And I am genuinely thankful my kids are not doing the virtual learning right now because no, I, I would fail at it miserably, but, but I'm sure that's what everybody's saying. Yeah. Oh, I think the biggest thing is, you know, those experiences that you can give your kids at home, even those real, like real life experiences, like cooking in the kitchen and learning how to do that or learning how to do the laundry and you know, just anything you do at home that you can also put some sort of educational aspect to, even if it's not common core math on a worksheet, it is still beneficial for them. So I know it's, it's hard being a teacher and teaching some of this stuff is hard. I can only imagine the parents trying to learning it and then trying to learn it and then teach it. I would just say, keep doing the best that you can. And, you know, don't force it either. I I guess I should have said at the beginning, I was once a middle school teacher way back after I graduated from college. I 
was in it. You know, I taught the, the middle schoolers for several years and they will learn when they want to and when they're open to it. But if they're being forced or it's like a stressful situation, a lot of learning doesn't happen then. So I sometimes think that parents think, you know, the mo- we've got to do this for five hours because you're in school for five hours or whatever. And that's not always the case. You know, I, I think that a lot of good learning can be done in shorter chunks throughout the day, you know, rather than all day or, or whatever the case may be. I mean, when you talk about, you know, them being forced and being in a stressful moment, like this is that stressful moment. And yeah, there is a lot of forcing going on. I don't know. I just, without having a child in that situation right now, I just, I just wonder if it's time to keep going and if it's time to get our kids in school and if it's time to, to just push on because I, I, I don't know, there are so many other effects of what's going on other than illness that, that make me worry for kids, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. I would agree with that. I, I do not know what the right answer is. I think that most of our school did districts around here that I know of, I feel like have been trying their absolute best to take the best approach that they can. I read a story about the Moline School District trying to do contact tracing and how much effort is going into that. Uh, And I can't imagine, but I, I know that all the teachers are, their jobs have been turned upside down and they're really reimagining what they've always done. And so I know they're all just trying to do what's best for the kids and to keep their staff safe, because that's the other part of it too, you know, is if this, if part of the, the teachers have to be out for, because they are sick or they are quarantining, you know, then you lose staff and then there's nobody for the kids and then it doesn't make the situation any better. And so I know there's so much that goes into making these decisions way beyond me. But I just trust that, you know, they're doing the best to keep everybody safe, but also, you know, thinking about the kids learning and and growth too. Yeah, it's just so hard. I don't want anyone to hear me say that and think like, but what about the what about like I get it. I get it. There's <laughs> there's all the what abouts and I and I totally understand it. It just just today my bosses sent out a video that's that pushed back our return to work date for March. And it's like yeah. 2021 is not the magic answer. You know, I think we've all been just like waiting to turn the page on 2020, but I don't think 2021 is going to be the answer either. And that's so, so crazy to think about going into another year doing this thing. I know. <laughs> I know. I feel like it's something that every family is, it has a different, unique situation. But at the same time, I feel like we're all dealing with some of the very same things. And it's not something that people like to talk about, you know, those hard moments or the things that you're struggling with. But what I've found is that I just had a conversation with a friend the other night and she called and she was like, how are you? And you know how you have that just very automated response, like, yeah, I'm good. How are you? So of course that's what I did. And she paused and she was like, yeah, I'm, I'm not good. Like, I I can't give you that same response. And it stopped me in my tracks. And I really was like, yeah, let's talk, you know, like this is, and as we got in, into our conversation, we really connected. And because we are fighting similar battles right now, I just feel like 
you know, opening up and becoming or connecting with one another and, and sharing what, what we're going through could can really help each other kind of get through some of the things. Even though our situation is a little different, it's still a very similar battle in that when you become vulnerable, vulnerable enough to talk about it and open up, I think that could be really a saving grace for us, you know, during this time is just to know that there are other people going through it too. And we're all in this together. What's making life hard for you right now? Um, oh gosh, I think that, you know, everybody's busy, but um, a lot of it is just the struggles with being able to see some family and not others. And you know, the holidays are coming and you want to spend time with everybody. But when things are the way they are right now in our cities and surrounding areas, it's just not the safest thing. And so it's really hard. You know, it's emotional to think that, you know, my kids aren't able to be with their cousins or their grandparents. And um, it's while it may seem like, you know, an easy decision on the outside that we're just saying, oh, sorry, we can't do that, you know, because we're, you know, trying to be safe as a family. It's really emotional. You know, I mean, it eats at me that, um, you know, my kids can't have that time that my husband and I can't have that time um, that we would really like. Yeah, my friend um, who's been on this podcast a couple of times before um, posted a blog post the other day about the concept of toxic positivity. Mm-hmm. And, you know, positivity is such a great thing, except when it causes us to to feel like if we're not positive, then there's something wrong with us. And mm-hmm. that post meant a lot to me because I thought, you know what, there are a lot of people who maybe aren't that grateful this year, you know, because sometimes I'm really not that grateful, you know, and 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 I think... I think now more than ever, we have to allow ourselves to be okay with acknowledging those feelings like you're having to, you know, like it doesn't make you a negative person to say like, this year hasn't been great. And I'm not super thankful for it because I'm really not right now. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I, I agree with you. I always go both ways. You know, I am, there are things where it's like, oh, this really stinks. I'm not happy about it. I've shed way too many tears about XYZ. And on the flip side of that, when I really stop and think, I do have a handful of things that I am grateful for and want to be grateful for this year. And so I think I just allow myself to experience and to feel both of those, you know, like, it's okay to cry. It's okay to be sad. But it's also okay to feel very thankful and grateful especially for these big, big moments, like, you know, birthing my son earlier in May, I think that there is time for, for all of those emotions to take place this year. Well, yeah, so your son is seven months old, just about, or is he not turned <laughs> Second child yet? problems. <laughs> I, did, I did the finger math really quick, but... <laughs> yeah, I think almost, I think six and a half, yeah. Okay, yeah, but when I think about whenever it was six and a half months old, and like, there was a lot, there was a lot going on at that time, so, so if you're feeling any of what I was feeling at that time, like, I'm with you. I get it, yeah. you know, and there's so much to be thankful for. You know, you brought this human into the world, but but it's a lot and there's a new business and it's a pandemic and ah! 
<laughs> yeah. So it's, yeah, it's a lot. It's really a lot. So, so I appreciate when it's, when, you know, there's someone out there who's willing to admit like some days are not great. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And especially with a toddler, because you never know what kind of day it's going to be when you wake up, you know, some days it's like, well, who is this toddler? Like they are saying please and thank you being super kind. And some days it's like, okay, when is nap time? <laughs> right? So agree. well, I don't want to end on a downer note. So I want to end on just a couple questions for you. What's something that makes you feel powerful? I would say what makes me feel powerful right now today is that I am able to be the mom to my two kids in the best that I can be every day, but I'm also able to run my own business to the best that I can every day and do that simultaneously in that I'm trying to, and hopefully I am, bringing joy to everybody involved. My kids, my husband, my clients, myself. And I think that just doing both of those things separately is a lot, but I'm, I'm thankful that I'm really able to do those together and really put my heart and soul into both of those because I'm very passionate about being a mama and also about Courtney Lawrence Studio. So, well, if you guys are not following Courtney on Instagram, you need to do that because if there's nothing else, just your positivity and your enthusiasm and your passion for what you do is just leaps off the screen. And I find that very inspirational. And I think we should all aspire to find that thing that makes our face do the thing yours does when you talk about the things you love. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, I, I appreciate hearing that because I, you know, like we talked about earlier, it, there's a lot of fear of the unknown that goes into these things. But when you find that thing that you are, passionate about, I promise that once you make the decision to pursue whatever that thing is, it's, it's just leads to more greatness. And so I'm also all ears about hearing about anybody's passions and things that they um, have been dreaming up to, because that was once me. And I would love to talk about that with anybody else. Yeah. There was that quote posted by Women Lead Change in this past week that was like, surround yourself with women who will mention your name in a room full of opportunities. And I feel like you're one of those women. So thank you. No, thank you. I feel like you're one of those women also. <laughs> and I, I could not be more grateful to be in such a wonderful community that we have here that is full of a lot of great small businesses, but also that are... Um, started and owned by women, you know, or just women in powerful and influential roles in the community. And I, I look up to a lot of them and am thankful for them. I have a wonderful mentor, Luann, who also falls in that category. And, you know, everybody that came before me, and everybody that's doing it with me and everybody that's coming after me, like I just I'm very supportive of all of that and just thankful for our community. Tell people again where they can find you, where they can get the holiday guide and how they can follow along with what you're up to. Yeah. So my um, Facebook page and Instagram is Courtney Lawrence Studio and my website, CourtneyLawrenceStudio.com. 
And then on the holiday page is where the holiday stuff is, where the holiday guide is. So yeah, if you want to see some design stuff, a little bit of kid stuff here and there, other random stuff that I'm posting about on Instagram. Um, but mainly I'm just passionate about sharing, you know, my DIYs, my design stuff, what I'm doing with my clients, tips and tricks for design stuff for your home. Um, and just trying to bring joy or help others bring joy to their spaces through what I'm doing and, and sharing every day. So yes, I would love for everybody to follow along with me. Please send me a message, interact with me. Like that's the best part of social media is just that we get to connect during this time when, you know, we're not able to go out and connect with other people that even though it's through a screen, it's still, you know, some sort of connection right now is, is great. Yeah, it helps. It definitely does help. Thank you so, so much. I appreciate you very much. Yes, thank you. I can't wait to see your space too. I'm excited for all that you're doing. Thanks so much to Courtney. And yeah, so about that project, as you heard me talk about, Courtney is helping me redecorate my master bedroom. And so the cool thing about her process is that I'm able to do it at my own pace. And it turns out that my own pace is glacial. So we have put some furniture in some new places. We hung our curtains high and wide. And now I'm just looking for some art and a few finishing touches. And because I really want to show it to you all, but it won't do Courtney justice if it's not totally finished. So stay tuned for that if you're interested in home bedroom redesigns by Courtney and by my attempt to recreate her beautiful ideas. Also, related to something you just heard in the conversation, that blog post about toxic positivity versus gratitude. That was written by my friend Angela Snyder, and you've heard her on this podcast before. So I'm going to post that article on my Facebook page because I want you to be able to find it and go look for it. And there's a bunch of other blog posts that might help you as well. I hope that it didn't bum you out or make you think less of me because I said I'm not super grateful this year. This year has absolutely blown and for a whole multitude of reasons. And, you know, I know that your year may be have blown in a couple of ways too. So I don't know. I think it's okay to say that this year sucks. I feel like everything sucks. I just want to turn the page on it. I just want to turn the page on this stupid, terrible, god-awful year. Sorry. <laughs> um, Courtney is um, a bright spot in uh, my terrible pessimistic mood so thankful to her for that please follow Courtney Lawrence Studio and um, make sure to follow on a mother level on Instagram the thing is that I keep saying that and you people are not doing it maybe it would make me feel better if you followed at on a mother level on Instagram and uh, let's make it to 100 followers huh Big money, big numbers. Thanks so much for listening. Give me some feedback on this episode. Let me know what you think. Talk to you later. Bye. You have been listening to the WQAD Podcast Network.